pray. Please join me. Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you so much for yourself, for your goodness, for your majesty, for your justice, for your love and mercy, for your wrath against injustice and sin and evil and the devil. And God, we, are, we want to acknowledge you as God with our lives every day and we know as Christians that the primary way we do that is through prayer, through talking to you every day and yet, Lord, we struggle to pray consistently day in, day out. Uh, we don't like that about ourselves and so we ask Holy Spirit this morning that you encourage us to know how to pray and that you move us uh, to pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, I need two volunteers, this is a bit out of the ordinary, I need two volunteers right now to come up the front and give me a hand with something. This could be a long sermon if I don't have any two volunteers. There's one, two, excellent. Mel, can you take this piece of string and tie it? you've got to kind of tie it on and then leave the loose bit on the floor and you'll be all right. You're very clever. All good? Thanks, Mel. That's good. Roz now has got the trick of making it a bit taut. Would be good. Have you got, have you got this, Roz? Yeah, you've got this. Roz has got this. Tie it on. Tie it tight. Make sure it's nice and straight. Pull it tight. Yep. You got it? She's got it. Are you a girl guide? I can tell. All right. This piece of string represents eternity. Now, and I want you to imagine that it's running out that wall forever and ever, and it's running out that wall forever and ever. It's not actually a finite piece of string as it looks like on the stage. It's actually eternal. It goes forever. And somewhere around here-ish on the string... Um, Jeremy and Denise Pennington were born, uh, just about here, just a little bit after them, um, maybe about just here, uh, I was born, right? And maybe just a little bit after that, George White and Oliver Rothmiller, they were born, but all in this kind of very skinny little window here, we were all born. Can you picture that in your mind? This string runs for all of eternity, and here we all are in this room, in this church, in this skinny little gap in eternity. Just a scratch, really, is your life in the scale of eternity. Our lives on this earth are actually very, 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 very short. And I want you to kind of picture that this morning, get your head around that. Our lives on this earth are very short, but our eternity, our future is eternal. We are eternal beings. We will rise and we will live forever forever in heaven or in hell. Our future is eternal and we have an eternal need for the mercies of God upon us today and forever. Our God is eternal and He is majestic and we are small and our lives are fleeting. And Habakkuk says, Lord, I've heard of your fame I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them, your awesome deeds. Repeat them in our day. 
in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. You see, Habakkuk, he lives on the, on the cusp of Babylon's invasion of Israel. And Habakkuk knows his Bible. He knows that God rescued Israel out of Egypt, where they'd been in slavery for 400 years. He sent the plagues upon Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He knows the capabilities of God to rescue his people. And so he prays, God, I know Babylon's coming to invade us. I know as a nation we deserve it. I know this is your wrath poured out. But in your wrath, remember mercy. Our God is eternal, <clears throat> and He's majestic, and He's bringing His wrath to bear on our sinful and broken generation. Our world is broken. We too are broken. We are all sinners. And all we can do is desperately beg for God to have mercy upon us. We are desperate for God's mercy. I wonder if you've ever been desperate before. Have you ever been desperate? I spent four years in sales. I used to drive around in my car seeing different clients and I'd go and visit a client and I'd have a cup of coffee with him or two and I'd jump back in my car and I'd drive and I'd realise the next drive's 45 minutes away and it was in the city and it's really hard to find a car park. And about halfway through that trip, I was desperate for the bathroom. Desperate as I drove around. And when in that situation... <clears throat> You're on a big drive, or maybe you've been on a train before, and you're desperate. All of a sudden, I became, in my little car, a petrol station-seeking missile, looking for the nearest place where I could relieve my desperation. All of a sudden, your bladder drives you to find the very next petrol station. You can. You stop caring about anything else. You stop caring about the last client. You stop caring about the next client. All you care about is finding a bathroom and finding one very soon. And that's something, believe it or not, the Apostle Paul understood well and truly. I, don't, I doubt the Apostle Paul was a salesman. There's no evidence that he was. But what he grasped is that this life is fleeting, it's perishing, it's marred terribly by sin, and the one to come is far, far greater in scope and size far richer in blessings and joys for those in Christ. Our next life is the one, as Christians, we ought to be focused on. We ought to feel our desperate need for God's mercy deep in our guts, and not just our bladder, but all of our guts. We need to feel our desperation for God's mercy to us. We're so easily distracted by the enticements of this world, that somehow we forget our desperate need for God's mercy to us. We forget we deserve God's wrath and we're desperate for His mercy. The movie night was epic last night. It was great. I think twice as many people turned up as I expected it went very smoothly. The pizza guy wasn't sure he was going to make any money, but he sold out of all his everything and had to kind of refund some people who'd ordered pizzas. So he was happy. It was a great night. 
I hope you had a good time last night if you were here. We did, we had a good time, the kids had a good time. But we didn't do the movie night for us, did we? Did we? We did it for our community. And we did it for the school. We put it on for them. We put on the movie night in order to make connections with those who, like us, are facing God's wrath without the shield of Christ. We have Jesus. We have the shield. We have forgiveness through Him. We have mercy through Him. But there's thousands in our community who do not. And we want to connect with them and we want to tell them about Jesus and the wonderful gift of forgiveness they can find in Him. And so we put on a movie night to try, to desperately try to connect with people in our community so that we can love them with the good news about Jesus. Now, this is the perspective that will drive your prayer life, energise your prayer life. I know as Christians you all want energy in prayer, right? You all want to get up in the morning and think, man, I can't wait to pray. And as you go through your day, you continue to pray. As you get to the end of the day, you pray before bed. You want energy in prayer, motivation, excitement. Friends, this will drive your prayer. This will give you energy in prayer to remember what Paul remembers. He has this perspective in his prayer life, this eternal perspective, this reality of God's wrath and God's mercy. And so this morning, we're going to look at Paul's prayer and we're going to look at Habakkuk's prayer. And on your outline, I want you to correct it. Point one is now looking at Paul's prayer and point two is looking at Habakkuk's prayer. Just ignore the other two things. The intro and conclusion is the same. Point one, Paul's prayer. Point two, Habakkuk's prayer. Paul uses the truths of the Bible to shape his prayer. And that's what we want to do. We want to use the Bible to grasp reality, to shape our prayer and energise our prayer. In order to have a rich and energetic prayer life, return God's Word to you, the Bible, back to Him in prayer. In order to have a rich prayer life, an energetic prayer life, we need to return God's Word to you, the Bible, back to Him in prayer. And when we do that, we pray for the things we ought to be praying for. We pray in line with the Spirit at work in us and our prayers are energised. Our lives are short. They're not our own. They were bought at great cost by God and so we live for Him by the blood of Christ. Our prayer life ought to reflect a great desire to please God, not ourselves. So look at a couple of Paul's prayers and see how he prayed in order to shape our prayer life. In Romans 8, we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that's seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We hope for heaven. And Paul hopes for heaven and this drives him through his life. 
Because of sin, the whole of creation, the moon, the stars, the galaxies, our world, ourselves, are tainted, imperfect. And the Bible says, groaning, waiting in eager expectation for this little section of eternity to end and the great bit where Jesus rules over all to start. We long to be with the Lord, don't we? Two weeks ago, we talked about rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing in Him personally, wanting to know Him, live like Him, glorify Him. We long as Christians to be with Christ in person in the life to come. We wait and hope eagerly. Look at these prayers of Paul. I always thank my God for you, the Corinthian church, who are a train wreck, by the way. They're they're shocking. Um, And Paul just loves them because that's what followers of Jesus do. We love our church, even if it's a bit messy. I always thank my God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in Him you've been enriched in every way. This is true of you too, friends. With all kinds of speech and with all knowledge... God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you, therefore you, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He'll also keep you firm to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ we have knowledge of God, we know how to speak to one another and we lack nothing. In Christ we lack nothing. Take away everything you have and hold dear other than Christ. And the Bible says you lack nothing. We eagerly wait for Jesus to return and make things right. We're eager for Jesus to help us stand firm in his truth. Now here's three more prayers and I want you to ask, do they reflect your prayers? And if they don't, that's okay. Use them to reflect your prayers. This is how we get our prayers in line with God's Word. Um, I really felt this first prayer last night as I served alongside my brothers and sisters uh, at the movie night. I really felt what Paul feels here. I love this prayer. Philippians 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the Gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What a brilliant prayer. Whenever I think of you, I thank God for your partnership in the gospel. And last night was just this brilliant testament to our partnership in the gospel as we put on a great movie night. It was great. Colossians 1, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Faith and love spring from hope. As we look forward, we, we spring forth in faith and love and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that's come to you. Another one. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That's change you to be more like Jesus. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Can you see Paul's eye on eternity in his prayer? Did you also notice that he doesn't actually ask for anyone's present situation to change? He doesn't ask for sickness to heal. He didn't ask for loans to be approved. He didn't ask for rain to stop or start. These are good things to pray about, but they're not the focus of Paul's prayer. So they ought not dominate our prayer either. Paul has a bigger focus. He wants to see Christians endure to the end, to the day of Christ, in godliness and holiness and faithfulness to the Lord. That's Paul's priority. Godliness, holiness and faithfulness. That's his priority in prayer. Godliness, holiness and faithfulness. This ought to be our prayer as well. In growth groups, when the leader says, you know, what are your prayer points tonight? Have a think. Paul said to you now, what would you like prayer for? What's your answer? To pray for sickness and kids and things is cool, it's good, it's fine. But the Bible shows us it ought not dominate our prayers. Godliness and holiness. Are we living for Christ, friends? Are we living lives in line with how He'd want us to live? Do we desire holiness, sinlessness? Do we desire to honour Him more than anything or do we desire happiness most of all? Do we desire minimum suffering? Please take away my sickness. It's annoying and um, making me sad. Not please help me persevere and continue to be godly and use my sick time in bed in prayer. Please help my kids to have friends at school and do well so that they're happy. Do we worship happy? Do we just desire happy all the time? Do we desire comfort, minimal suffering? We talk about helicopter parents and tiger parents and there's about 15 different <laughs> words for parents who are overbearing on their kids and, and terrified of their children's suffering. We desire comfort and minimal suffering, just like our culture around us, rather than enduring godliness through hardship and suffering. Peter Adam is an old evangelical preacher who I respect greatly. He's actually very funny as well. He's a great man of prayer. And he describes our modern evangelical Christianity as a soft version of the prosperity gospel. We worship happy. Dear God, please bless me with everything I want so that I'll be happy. Please take away hardship and suffering because it makes me sad. Is that our prayer? <laughs> I hope not. Dear God, please bless me with everything you want for me. Bless me with faithfulness. Bless me with holiness. Bless me with godliness. Bless me with love. Other person-centered sacrificial love. Bless me with the fruits of the Spirit. I wonder, as, as Christians, on the 1st of January, should we say Happy New Year or Holy New Year? That seems flippant, but I mean that. What do we desire for one another each year.
Happiness is the idol of our culture. And we will not be seen as different and have opportunity to share the gospel if we idolise happy as well. Did you notice the wonderful thankfulness that Paul has for his brothers and sisters? It's abundant. When there's thankfulness in prayer for one another at church, we drive out grumbling and we drive out slander, we drive out unhelpful conflict, we drive out judgmentalism of one another when we're praying thankfulness for one another. Paul, the Corinthians, like I said, are a disaster and Paul thanks God for them and prays for them. Verse 19, for what is our hope, our joy or the crown, 1 Thessalonians, what's our hope, our joy or the crown in which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Is it not those who we've brought to saving faith in the gospel? Is it not those that we've encouraged to stand firm in the gospel to the end when we stand together there on that glorious day, wherever it is, together and we look around at our brothers and sisters in Christ who we've prayed for and strived for and cared for, is that not your joy and your crown on that day as we walk into heavenly places together? Paul's greatest delight in life over and above his Lord, is to see brothers and sisters in Christ running hard, standing strong. And that is my greatest joy too. To see you running hard, standing firm, friends, to the end, together. So we pray like Paul and we pray like Habakkuk. Habakkuk, this is a great book of the Bible to build your prayer on as well. So we're going to dig deeper, friends, into this treasure trove of the Bible in fuel, looking for fuel for prayer, looking for energy in prayer. It's worth, it's inspiring, it's worth turning back to Habakkuk in your quiet times over the next few weeks and using it for your prayers. As I said, Habakkuk was a prophet on the cusp of invasion. Israel had sinned, they'd worshipped idols instead of the true and living God, they deserved judgment and it was coming Babylon is described as an extension of the arm of judgment of the Lord. He used this pagan nation to judge Israel. And then once they had, he judged them for their evil against him. Friends, our nation and the Western world is evil and hates the Lord in increasing amounts. Centuries ago, Europe sent missionaries into Africa to share the gospel. Today, Africa is sending missionaries into Europe to share the gospel because Europe is so pagan, so evil and against the Lord. In our country, the nuclear family unit has broken down. It's not breaking down, it's broken down. Marriage has given way to divorce, which is giving way to cohabitation with no desire for marriage in our country. Social media addiction has reached epidemic proportions and is giving rise to massive mental health problems, particularly in our youth. The suicide rate in 10 to 14-year-olds has doubled in the last few years. Substance abuse, gambling, domestic violence, ask any police officer in the room, and a seeming universal acceptance of a woman's right to choose to murder her innocent child in utero. 
a universal acceptance, it seems, on abortion rather than a horror. Close to a million babies a year are aborted in the US. And Australia aborts close to the same amount per capita. Per capita, we're kind of on par with Australia. How much longer will it be before God severely judges the Western world as he did Israel when Israel turned away from him? Friends, (laughs) we need to desperately pray for our country, for ourselves, as Habakkuk did. I want to try something new this morning. And I'd love you to all participate, but, you know, you don't have to. It's okay. I'm going to read, reread a part of Habakkuk 3, and I'd love you to close your eyes and visualise what's happening, what God is doing. If you had less than six hours sleep last night, this is fraught with danger. You might not off, so I'll let you be the judge on whether you should shut your eyes or not uh, at this point in time, young mums. I'm looking at you in particular. Um, But if you're up for it, I'd love you to close your eyes now. And I'm going to read to you from God's Word. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from His hand where His power was hidden. Plague went before Him, pestilence followed His steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. Open your eyes. Our God is a God of judgment and he is full of wrath at evil, at sin, at a world turned against him. Are we not too furious at the way our Lord is treated, forgotten, ignored, mocked in our land? Look at what we're doing as a nation with the world that he has blessed us with, with the goodness that he continues to pour out day by day as he sends the sun and the rain. 
Even as Christians, we often spend so little time each day honouring our spectacular God. We have the victory, friends, the victory through Christ. We are headed for heaven. We have the hope of eternal life. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We ought to be shouting these truths from the rooftops and certainly shouting these truths from our bedsides morning and night. No matter what happens in our lives and in our world, we have the victory. But still, in the increasing disaster that is our world, we pray, in your wrath, Lord, show mercy. As you did at the cross, Lord, when your wrath was poured out on your one and only beloved Son, Jesus, because of us, yet three days later you showed mercy and rose him from the grave and blessed us with forgiveness we did not deserve. Lord, please show mercy to our community, to our city, to our country, to our world. Look again at Habakkuk's response in verse 16. I heard the wrath of the Lord and his heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept in my bones. My legs trembled. And rightly so at the wrath of the Lord. Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God, my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. In wrath there is mercy. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Friends, we have the victory through Christ, but it is only through Christ that we have the victory and we ought to be desperately thankful to Him as we realise the predicament we're in. Desperate in prayer for holiness and godliness for ourselves and for one another. Not health and happiness, godliness and holiness. We ought to be desperate in prayer for our country and our world. Desperate in prayer for Gledswood Hills and Gregory Hills. And it is God's word that will energize your prayer and shape your prayer to be in line with the will of God as you read the Bible and return the words back to God in prayer. Now this morning, friends, I don't want to leave us feeling hopeless in prayer and in despair about our Bible reading. If you're willing, hands up, who struggles to read their Bible consistently and pray biblical prayers? Who's struggling in Bible reading and prayer? Look around and be of good cheer. <laughs> We're all struggling together. I struggle in the busyness of our life, we don't make a priority to our great detriment and to the detriment of the glory of God, who we long to honour. Paul had the same struggle. Read Romans 7 if you don't believe me. Paul struggled in prayer because, as we talked about two weeks ago, we still live in sinful flesh. We, the spirit within wrestles with the flesh without. It is normal that this is hard, 
it's right for sinful flesh to not want to bow the knee to God's word, to not want to honour God. But we have the Spirit sanctifying us, changing us to be more like Christ. So we need to wrestle and work and make time and make effort. And we need to encourage one another. And we need to pray for one another. And we need to gather in growth groups and spur one another on to read the Bible and to pray. And I would love for you all to commit to praying a bit more and read anyone. I will commit to you as your minister to help you to provide Bible reading plans, encouragement in prayer, whatever it takes. In two weeks' time, we're going to have prayer cards again put out for my Pray for the Lost distributed. Get together in prayer for the lost. In growth groups, we're going to chat with Clem. Clem, you don't know this yet. But Clem, I'm going to chat with you. We're going to commit to helping one another through growth groups to grow in our commitment to Bible reading and prayer. We're going to work it out together. How can we grow in our desire to hear God speak and return his word to him in prayer? We're going to work it out. Be of good cheer if you're struggling. Be of good cheer. We're going to work it out together how to grow, how to improve. Of course, we want to live godly lives, don't we? that honour Christ. We want to keep our focus on our eternity, not the enticements of our city. We want to pray for each other. We want to thank God for one another. We want to grow in knowledge of God. I know we do. I know you do. We are desperate for God's mercy, but we forget. So I'm reminding you that you might pray. Pray for yourself, your family, your church, your community, your country, and this world. Pray for God to intervene. The God of the universe, who makes mountains tremble and oceans writhe and nations fall, the dead are brought back to life at the word of the God of word of God. Pray to him. This week, I think we'll start with the Psalms. Start with the Psalms this week. This afternoon, pull out your Bible, open up to Psalm 1. Return Psalm 1 back to God in prayer. It's a great place to start. Right now, we're going to return Habakkuk 3 to the Lord in prayer together. And I'll invite you to stand now. And I'll invite you to join me in returning God's word to him in prayer with the words on the screen. Please join me. Help us to live by faith in you, Lord Jesus Christ, when we are sinful. Your church is sinful, when the world is sinful, when you delay your judgment and when you come again to judge all people. Lord, we have heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet we will rejoice in the Lord. We'll be joyful in God our Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is our strength. He makes our feet like the feet of a deer. He enables to tread on the heights. We praise and magnify Him forever. Praise to you, our great and mighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated.